Good morning, Tom. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. We're recording on a Monday morning. Yeah. It's actually quite beautiful and sunny. Yeah, it's nice in San Francisco right now. The birds are chirping, but you can't hear them. On here. On here. Yeah, because we've done such a good job soundproofing my apartment. This, <laughs> this That's right. Excellent studio we've assembled by putting one blanket over one door. Yeah. And otherwise, we have very bouncy walls in here. Yeah. Yeah. We are getting better at sound engineering, the two of us. There's, well, there's two blankets. Yeah, actually. okay. There's, yeah, now there's a comforter as well on yeah. my record player. There, so you're welcome, listener. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy this audio experience. Yeah. Tom, I didn't sleep well last night. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry and, to hear that. No, that's okay. How do you, so I have certain actions that I take when I can't sleep okay. to try to make myself feel better. Okay. And I'm curious how they compare to yours and how. Perhaps they compare it to Marcus Aurelius. Okay. So this is just full-on speculation about how Marcus Aurelius put himself to sleep. I'm sure one of these chapters he's going to talk about it. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's find out. Okay. What do you do? So I usually I usually go through a process where I tell myself that, Paul, you actually don't need that much sleep. Like oh. you've had nights where you sleep three hours and then the next day you're just fine. And so how bad can it be? Okay. Interesting. Do you like follow that logic through and say okay i guess i can get up and <laughs> walk around now like i don't need sleep i actually think that part of that is important if what i find is that if i just force myself to lay in the bed yeah i have a harder time falling asleep but if i say you know it doesn't even matter and i go and i use the restroom i go get a glass of water yeah uh, you think that helps then i sleep better interesting yeah. so you think some of it am i right in understanding that some of it is maybe anxiety driven where you have a you feel that you go to bed feeling like I need a certain amount of sleep, which yes. is why I'm going to bed now. And right. then you, okay, yeah, I say. Interesting. I don't maybe have quite as much anxiety about that, I think, because I don't really have that experience of, oh, no, I need to get a certain amount of sleep, but I'm not falling asleep right now. This is a lame answer, basically. Why? Because but you always fall asleep on time? I'm pretty good at falling asleep. I, this is an unrelatable answer, David. <laughs> I, that's just the truth. I had know lots of people who are insomniacs or whatever else, but I just fall asleep when I, so one thing that helps, this is a weird. All our listeners have now soured. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They, Tom just, was so relatable. <laughs> I don't know that I'm and that now, relatable to begin with, but yes, I'm cementing it right now. We're a good Midwestern yeah. boy. <laughs> okay. So here's one thing that I do recently that I think really knocks me out. I don't know if this will help you or not. This came about accidentally, which is that I've started using an eye mask before sleep, like an, a heated eye mask where you put a thing over your eyes and like it warms them up basically. And I'm doing that for a medical reason. But also I've discovered that when I do it, holy crap, be, that, the combination wow. of the warmth and the fully blocked out light at night just knocks me out. Wow. The, okay. The devices are cheap. It could be worth a try. I don't know that it would really ameliorate your anxiety about I need to get a certain amount of sleep. But I find it very relaxing, and it puts me to sleep really quick. Okay. That's – I was originally going to make fun of you, but now I think I'll try that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I think you're right, though. I guess I have definitely had the experience of heading into a night knowing, oh, I'm not going to get as much sleep yeah. as I would like tonight. Yeah. And I guess I also do the thing you're describing of just being like, you know what? For one night or whatever, you're going to be fine tomorrow. It's not that. Yeah. big a deal as a way of letting go yeah. the anxiety about the next day. The other whatever. thing I do is, and this works really well, actually, 
if I can actually convince myself of it. So I lay there and I'm actually pretty close to a window. Okay. And so I know that if I was just, if I was a few feet in a different direction, basically out the window. You'd be outside. It'd be cold. Yeah. It'd be cold and it's like, there's like moss growing and like I'd be laying on some rocks. And so I think about how it's so nice that I'm here and not a few feet over to okay. the left. So it's like a gratitude exercise. So. Yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden I feel so, so comfortable. I'm just like, wow, I don't even need to like, why should, why just being here is nice. Yeah. Even if I'm not sleeping, it's just nice to be indoors. Yeah. That's a nice perspective for sure. I don't know that kind of gratitude would help put me to sleep personally, but it's a good way of being alive, I think. Yeah. yeah. Why not? <laughs> Which I guess you've never had this problem, so you're not exactly an expert on the topic. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, I'm just totally <laughs> speculating. But I feel like for me, gratitude exercises like that are good and they make me feel good about the way I'm living my life. But I don't really associate them with, ah, relaxing. They're the opposite, if anything, to me. They're like uh, appreciating the temporariness of life and a bunch of other stuff, which not usually ideas that are putting me to sleep. Yeah, it is a brainy thing yeah. to be, yeah, to be worried about. That's yeah. fair. I guess Marcus would just say, this is part of nature, blah -de blah be one with nature, lay awake. Yeah. Another way of looking at it is I think he also would maybe drill into the anxiety a little bit. What's worrying you so much about needing to get that much sleep every night? Why is it so important that it's doing this counterproductive thing of you need so much sleep that it worries you and therefore you don't get sleep? Yeah. If that's... Defense of the Empire, Tom. Yeah, so I guess in his case, it's he would have a good reason for some sleepless nights. Yeah, it's the Quaidai. Yeah, the Quaidai... Have we established that the Quaidai are... They're on the River Grand, Tom. Yeah, they're on the River Grand among the Quaidai. Yep. Among the Quaidai. They're all around. Yeah, I get... So, among to me is a weird part of speech to use if that's the enemy. We're among... I guess we've infiltrated the Quaidai if we're understanding... If we're among them. It's a good question. Maybe there's that feeling of you're in a camp and it is there truly are, the be, wilderness. They could, they could be, be anywhere. anywhere. So we're yeah. among them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's right. No. I have never heard of the Quaidai before. It does not, as a word, it doesn't sound like a German yeah. word to me at all. They're just, yeah, dirty Germans is yeah. what they are. They sound like, sounds like a kind of monster, the Quaidai. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a people. Yeah. Okay, with that, should, should we jump, actually read should some? We, yeah, should we do some reading this time? Let's do it. Okay. Okay, we're back. Okay, cool. We are still in book two, which is called on the river grand among the quaidai and we are on bullet point 11 of that chap of that book so 11 you could leave life right now wait we already read this. nope we read that it's 12 we i'm sorry know. we're on number 12 we're gonna edit all this out yeah, we are nice. on number 12 number 12 the speed with which all of them vanish the objects in the world and the memory of them in time and the real nature of the things our senses experience, especially those that entice us with pleasure or frighten us with pain or are loudly trumpeted by pride. To understand those things, how stupid, contemptible, grimy, decaying, and dead they are, that's what our intellectual powers are for. And to understand what those people really amount to whose opinions and voices constitute fame. And what dying is, 
and that if you look at it in the abstract and break down your imaginary ideas of it by logical analysis, you realize that it's nothing but a process of nature, which only children can be afraid of. And not only a process of nature, but a necessary one. And how man grasps God with what part of himself he does and how that part is conditioned when he does. Boy, this one's abstract. Yep. And a bummer. Who's he talking about? Who's it them? Just I, the people I think in his he, life who disappoint him. I think, yeah, them is weird here. I think he's actually saying the things that he lists after the them. The speed with which the objects in the world and the memory of them in time vanish is what he's saying. Uh, in okay, that so first sentence. Things are senses experience, especially those that give us pleasure, frighten us, or yeah, it, all are trumpeted with pain. So all of those things, abstractly, disappear. Disappear. Yeah. It's about the temporariness. And of, so only children should be afraid of them. Should be afraid of death. Sure, that's right. So then he switches to talk about dying. Yeah, those those are those go hand in hand. I think what he's saying is all the stuff that makes up our lived experience, the scary stuff and the fun stuff and the prideful stuff, and the objects in the world, they all disappear. They're all temporary. They all disappear very quickly. And not only do they disappear, but our people's memories of them disappear too because of death. And if you just look at death totally rationally, setting aside your irrational fears of it you see logically that it is just a part of a natural a regular natural process and therefore nothing to be afraid of why does he keep repeating himself <laughs> i feel like 11 started with you could leave life right now we've yeah. heard this before right he's just reminding himself it's just nice for him to write it is, it, is that the meditations for him it's meditations for us it's repetitive writing <laughs> It does feel repetitive to me too, but I think part of the reason it feels repetitive maybe to us is that this is an idea we've all heard in the modern world that mm, like yeah. life is short and et cetera, et cetera. It feels like almost a cliche to us. And to what it feels like to me is going on for Marcus is the thing that happens for people who are working on new ideas, which is that you try to say them like 10 different ways and kind of step back and squint at all of them. And it's like, which one of these said mm. the thing I was trying to say? He's taken a couple runs at expressing the same-ish idea, maybe because it was a more novel idea to him at the time than it seems to us today. Okay. So for our, uh, for our SparkNotes readers out there, 12 was this too shall pass. Yeah, and nothing to death, nothing to be scared of because it's you're like the only reason you're afraid of it is your dumb animal brain and yep. it's a natural process. The last sentence about how man grasps God and with what part of himself he does and how that part is conditioned when he does. First of all, I think it's the first instance that I remember in this text of a capital G God singular, which seems a little oh, bit yeah. different than the gods as they have been referred to in the text previously. Interesting. I don't think of Marcus as a monotheistic dude but maybe i'm wrong about that maybe he would believe in a capital g god what do you think about that does that seem wrong to you boy i'm out of my depth for how the romans perceived single gods versus i i know that every roman emperor prescribed themselves a particular deity in the pantheon as their deity Perhaps he's referring to that one. I don't know who I'm sure. the god of 
wet blankets for Marcus over here. But yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe, yeah. Maybe this was an era where referring to a singular, unambiguous god is fine, and also referring to the gods collectively is also yeah. fine. Yeah. And he's certainly not talking about the father Judea of Jesus Christian. Christ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Would love to get a little translation note from the translator on that one. I wonder what the text in the original. Email us at yeah. Tom and Paul. <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We'll set it up at some point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody beat us to the punch, listeners, please. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And we're back. Okay. The other thing that's interesting about that sentence is this with what part of himself he does and how that part is conditioned when he does, which I think is saying that, like, he's talking about when you really grasp God, you do so with your spirit or something like that, as opposed to, and that that part is conditioned in some sort of good or humble way to truly grasp God. So I think he's saying, I'm just speculating, but it's all a, part of how the sort of structure of the gods and how they've made the world makes death and all the stuff that happens to us humans just normal forgivable parts of the process and nothing to be afraid of that that's how i read it that if when you experience death and grasping god or whatever you'll be ready for it and it'll all work out because they've designed a good system i believe you Okay, you which really means that you think I'm just speculating. I have but no idea what this but, means. <laughs> well, that's, no, but there's, that sounds very my, smart. There, okay, there's my totally unwarranted and completely unbacked up reasoning about what that last sentence I like it means. Okay, thank you, Paul. Okay, wow, the first sentence of this next one is really catching my eye. Number thirteen. Nothing is more pathetic than people who run around in circles, delving into the things that lie beneath and conducting investigations into the souls of the people around them, never realizing that all you have to do is to be attentive to the power inside you and worship it sincerely. Okay, new topic for wow. <laughs> for Marcus here. Wow, nothing is more pathetic than these people. Is Running around in circles, de delving into the things that lie beneath, and conducting investigations into the souls of other people. So he loves. To, he really believes that you shouldn't care about the souls of other people. Yeah. That it's not. You shouldn't moralize. Yeah. You know their souls. Yeah. And who are these pathetic little people in his life? They're gossipers and rumor mongers. They're just his court, and, basically. Yeah. The, yeah. I, I. That's what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. The judgmental or yeah, small-minded military officials who are jealous of one another's power or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's easy for him to say he's the emperor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's and he's got this soul that's like beyond reproach, or the way he acts is so right. Yeah. Yes, I agree with the. It's easy for him to say reaction to this sentence i also think having just talked about christianity and jesus in, in, in relation to the last sentence that this first sentence strikes me as a very jesus-y sentence that it's you don't judge others you just worry about your own behavior and the content of your own soul basically oh is that a christian thing too that strikes me as a very christian sentence oh yes. wow interesting um, that yeah i it's there's, I think there's a fair amount. I'll flag this as it happens in the future. But there's a fair amount of stuff that Marcus says that sounds pretty similar to some stuff in the Bible to me. I guess the, I guess Judo Christianity just gobbled up all the best philosophies and put them into one. 
Yeah, although that predates this text, right? Isn't this text from like 200 AD? Does, but does it? Then all the apostles go out and basically just say, oh, okay, this is what you believe. This is what we also believe. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know enough about the history of when the Bible Bibles actually go into publication or whatever, obviously. I think it's right around this time, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's finish this bullet point. So he's talking about worshiping the power inside you sincerely. And then he says, to worship it is to keep it from being muddled with turmoil and becoming aimless and dissatisfied with nature, divine and human. What is divine deserves our respect because it is good. What is human deserves our affection because it is like us. And our pity, too, sometimes for its inability to tell good from bad, as terrible a blindness as the kind that can't tell white from black. You're making a confused face as you read those last couple of I'm sentences. Reading them. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The structure of those sentences is not easy. I think what he's saying is in the first sentence that we read, he's saying all that matters is the contents of your own mind and soul, basically. And then he's saying, how do you how do you actually worship your own, keep clean your own mind and soul? You have to maintain the appropriate attitudes towards both the divine and the human. I really, this is very interesting, actually. So this is a common modern philosophy as well, which is that, okay, you are the way you are. Just accept it. Don't try to fight it. We're nature. You know, he uses the word nature. Yeah. And it's interesting that he splits it into nature into two things, the divine and the human. Yeah. I'm guessing what he means by the divine are just like the things you can't control. The whole realm of the world that you can't control. Yeah, that's about how I read it, too. So what is divine deserves our respect because it is good. Yeah. all that Which stuff. is awesome, actually. It all, is good. All the stuff that got the gods created. Yes. It's all the things you can't control deserves our deserve our respect because they're good. It's a good system. Yep. All right, moving. On, on balance. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the things you can't control. And what is human deserves our affection because it is like us. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, too. That, it's a cool line, actually. Yeah, I agree. This one resonates for me. So, like, you, your human tendencies deserve affection and everything else deserves respect. Yeah. This is a more sympathetic Marcus than I think we sometimes get. He's saying that, yeah, we should be humans who, he says, are pretty bad at telling good from bad a lot of the time. A lot of his previous writing tips have to do with, and that makes them stupid and bad, basically. Yeah. And that's that's your problem is you can't tell what's good and what's bad. Yeah. Here he's saying, yeah, but we're all like that. And so we should be nice to each other because we're all these limited, somewhat blind beings. And we should not only be affectionate, but even pity one another when we when those limitations come to pass. This is a very nice Marcus. I agree. This I is like a, this Marcus. This is a much closer to my own philosophy of life, Marcus. I, I would, feel get, like I would grab than, a beer with this Marcus. Yeah, I agree. This Marcus is, yes, I agree with you. I really like the perspective on recognizing that human beings are limited but trying our best that I get from this yeah. sentence. Yeah. And then and therefore we should just try to be he says pity, but I interpret it a little bit too as give people the benefit of the doubt sure. and it's, in it's interesting that he says that right after just calling these people yeah, the, the most pathetic people they, who run around in circles conducting investigations to the souls of those around them. Yeah. Those people deserve some pity as well, don't they? Yeah, I think that's a lovely duality that is at the heart of what we're picking up on about Marcus is on the one hand, he is really willing to be like, this is the worst thing humans can do is to mm. the really ghastly yeah. people. And then he, within the he same breath, he says, but also this is at the heart of being human. 
and we should be not only pity it, but even be affectionate towards this behavior. This feels very similar to the section where he talked about the two kinds of wrong wrongdoing, one caused by anger, anger and one caused by jealousy. Right. And how the anger one is much better. That seems to be his whole shtick, is that he's, as long as it was caused by, by being focused on yourself, then it's fine. And if, as soon as it's caused by being focused on others, it's terrible. Yeah, that's a nice connection. I think that's right. I do think, yes, he cares very much about motivation and like where be human behavior comes from much more than what the behavior is itself which is part of what lends this text yeah. its abstractness because he's so rarely actually talking about any specific human behavior he's just abstractly talking about this kind of behavior because he only cares how it's motivated yeah i think that's right i like that this one also, maybe I'm repeating myself here. I like that he is recognizing for once that telling good from bad is not a trivial exercise. It so frequently <laughs> seems like he just assumes that everybody just by inspecting a situation can instantly tell what the morally good option is and what the morally bad option is. And all you have to yeah. do in life is choose the good one, which has always struck me as a part of this philosophy that doesn't do much for me because yeah at least in my life it doesn't feel that obvious what's the good choice and what's the bad choice a lot of the time yeah uh, yeah i like to hear him at least acknowledge that yeah that's hard sometimes. yeah it's weird that he he does both yeah but there's a duality there that i think is the, is the text like this is all that matters and it's hard and these people suck but also we should <laughs> be generous towards them yeah, it's a little contradictory. It's a work in progress private journal. Yeah. Okay, number 14. Even if you're going to live 3,000 more years or 10 times that, remember, you cannot lose another life than the one you're living now or live another one than the one you're losing. The longest amounts to the same as the shortest. The present is the same for everyone. Its loss is the same for everyone. And it should be clear that a brief instant is all that is lost. For you can't lose either the past or the future. How could you lose what you don't have? Remember two things. One, that everything has always been the same and keeps recurring, and it makes no difference whether you see the same things recur in a hundred year or two hundred or in an infinite period. Two, that the longest lived and those who will die soonest lose the same thing. The present is all that they can give up, since that is all you have, and what you do not have you cannot lose. Okay. Wow. I'll make a small remark, which is I like the time frames in which this guy's thinking. <laughs> Three thousand more years. Yeah. It doesn't. He doesn't talk about a hundred more years. Yeah. Three thousand more years, or, or ten, ten times, times that. Yes. Yeah. He's really. Yeah. He would be. He would still be alive even in the small version of that. Three thousand years. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. He would still be comfortably alive at this point. Yes. Marcus <laughs> thinks big. Yeah. It's interesting. It's big, but then also he never goes bigger than. Ten times that is not that big. If you're the point he's making is about very long time yeah. frames. He hops from <laughs> that would be unrealistic. Tom. Years, but he, he does refer to an infinite period later on. But okay. yeah, he hops from thirty thousand years to an infinite period. Oh, so they had the concept of infinity. Yeah, I feel like he's actually some some quick maths he's doing. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's reasoning about infinity a little bit here with this bullet point. He's saying that the value of all the time 
that you might have left still only sums to the same thing as the value that some <laughs> short-lived pe- person has. Oh, you read that as it's like an integral that 3,000 times infinity yeah, is still infinity. Yeah, that is how I read it, basically. That's very nerdy of you. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is what he's saying, though, here, that the sentence about sure. uh, it the, is the same loss for everyone. And the it, presence is the same for everyone. It yeah. should be clear that a brief instant is all that is lost. That's a great reading, Tom. Thank you. That's nice. I, I think, how do you, how do you react to this philosophy overall? I don't know that I totally agree with this. <laughs> it, again, it feels so abstracted and there's so many layers of abstraction here. I guess what he's saying is live in the present. That's for my spark yeah. notes readers. <laughs> yeah, Number four, he needs to live in the present. Yeah. And then he just gives a very extreme example of how much he believes that to be true. Right. So even if you live for 300,000 years, you, sh- you would still just live in the present. Yeah. It's, and, he is failing composition 101, like topic sentence, yeah. like supporting evidence <laughs> kind of stuff. He, he is just, here's an argument. And here's the same argument without the reasoning for the argument being presented. I guess there's some reasoning here. But I don't think I... Yeah. Don't you agree with? Basically, the notion that... This, to me, implies that if you truly live in the present or whatever, it means don't plan for the future. You should make decisions as if you're going to be dead tomorrow. And I I, I don't think I like that as a life philosophy. I appreciate the perspective of... The present is important, and you don't let your anxiety, your plans about the future, it's an easy mistake to make to let those cannibalize the present for you. But also, I don't think it's an actionable philosophy to say, it does not matter how long I live, it's all the same, let me just decide, let me live my life as if it's all going to disappear at any instant. I think that's a paralyzing life philosophy would lead to horrible decisions. Yeah, that's true. And for example, if he... If he really cares about his job or his kids, then it does matter how long he personally is going to be around because that impacts the kind of projects he can take on. Yeah, totally. And the kind of investments he should be making. Yeah. And especially for a guy who's invested in something like the Roman Empire, this enormous long-lived yeah. project. I, yeah. My other reaction to this was also, was just, it felt very like, it felt like nihilism. It was just nothing matters, basically. Yes, I agree. I also get a nihilist whiff off of this paragraph. Yeah. Okay, what's the more charitable reading for Marcus? Rather than just saying this sucks and we hate it and it's nihilist and stupid. That he's like Pooh Bear. I wake up and it's a great day and that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Control what you can control, which yeah. is the, the presence. Yeah, it's just like a perspective exercise of freaking out about whether or not you're going to be dead in 20 years or 30 years. Stop yeah. it. It doesn't matter. Just live the thing that's in front of you right now. Maybe that's, I think what we're missing is, I would love to just look at this through the lens of Marcus the human. Yeah. I guess maybe he is really obsessed with his own longevity. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe that's, that would be a typical yeah. thing to do. Yeah, because yeah, the last so eleven started with you could leave life right now. Twelve was everything vanishes. Thirteen, 13 wasn't was, a side about the most pathetic. <laughs> also, I hate these people. <laughs> <laughs> Fourteen, we're back to dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, certainly he's obsessed with dying and life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I do think that's probably the right way of looking at it. Is that this is very much personal to Marcus. That is, he's not just abstractly yeah. philosophizing about how 
a, a human should live. He's very much reacting to his own concerns about yeah. his own demise. I guess something along the lines of a spear landed next to him yeah. on the battlefield today, and he thought about his own death, and he's reminding himself that it doesn't matter, and he knows that his, like, fuck-up son is not ready to seek the throne, and he's trying to figure out which of his other 17 children might be able to do it. Yeah. But he's worried that if he dies now, then his fuck-up son takes the throne. I guess there's, yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of context there. Yeah. Presumably. But it's something we've, I think we talked about in our first episode, too, about how if we assume that he is deeply attached to the world, that he has all these like intense connections and he cares about all this stuff very deeply, then this kind of makes sense to me as a reminder of, okay, just remember, all you can lose is the present. Like, it's all you have. So the your paralyzing fear of losing all these things you love in life, let go of that fear because you never really had all those things to begin with, basically. Yeah. That is a kinder reading to Marcus, I think than just, this sucks, he's a nihilist, and his life philosophy is insanely myopic and stupid. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Okay. Number 15. Quote, Everything is just an impression. End quote. Monimus the cynic. And the response is obvious enough. But the point is a useful one if you take it for what it's worth. Wow, Boy. fascinating, fascinatingly opaque here, Mark. Yes. <laughs> what do you think the obvious response to everything is just an impression is? That's uh, a hard question. Don't trust anything, I guess, if it's all just an impression. Don't take anything at first first glance. What did you what do you think it is? It's obvious, Tom. It's obvious, yeah. Enough. I agree. It's obvious not obvious enough. to me. Okay, so here's the process that I go through. Cynicism is this philosophy that I think Right. Marcus is in opposition, operating in opposition to. So I don't think he's going to concur with this sentiment. Or what he's going to say, my obvious response to this is, uh, so what? Let's say it all is just an impression. Should that change how we live our lives? Maybe not, is I guess how I react to that. But I'm not sure that's the, that's obvious necessarily. If you take it for what it's worth, okay. So you're saying, like, so, the re so yes, a cynic says, yeah, life is just an illusion. Sure, it's, it's this, all in your head, yeah. Plato's cave or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And you know, cynic, the correct response to that is is just more cynicism. That's he what says, the cynic but says. But the point is a useful one, right? So I think the way in which Marcus agrees with this sentiment to me is that it implies a sort of temporariness and a and also i think it agrees with marcus's focus on process that like it might be an illusion or it might not but if but marcus thinks that if you follow his process for living life it doesn't matter i buy it is that okay? <laughs> i guess i'm just we don't have a lot to go off yeah, of here. i'm just speculating yeah anything else that's straight so you think the obvious response is, yes, that's true? Everything is just an impression. Everything is just an illusion. And the response is obvious enough that you should only trust yourself and all the things he's already been saying in the last 14 bullets, basically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think we're on the same page about yeah, that. This yeah, this one's hard to, that, to parse apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Marcus clearly thinks there's some pithier response to this that would be in agreement with his own philosophy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're having trouble putting our finger on exactly what that would be. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a tough one. Number 16. The human soul degrades itself. Colon. One, above all, when it does its best to become an abscess, a kind of detached growth on the world. To be disgruntled at anything that happens is a kind of secession from nature, which comprises the nature of all things. I should point out that was a capital N nature, a kind of secession from capital N nature, which comprises the lowercase n nature of all things. Let's talk about that before we continue with this list. So I think what he's saying is your soul, if you, if you try to stand aside from the world and be unhappy with what is going on in the world, you degrade your soul. So this is his shtick about living with nature in yep. his concept of accept the things that happen to you in the world. And if you just complain about them and say, oh, no, I'm too good to be sick or whatever else, then you degrade your own soul. Nature with a capital N is the realm of things you can't control. Yeah, exactly. Okay, number two, the human soul degrades itself when it turns its back on another person or sets out to do it harm as the souls of the angry do. So calling back to the angry versus jealous. Although here he is condemning the angry, which were the folks who he seemed to think were acting better than the jealous. Yeah, better but still not great. Yeah, okay degraded souls yeah nevertheless degrading to your soul number three when it is overpowered by pleasure or pain the human soul degrades itself when it is overpowered by pain huh sure that strikes me a little bit odd overpowered you should always be in control as marcus but it also seems like the amount of pain you receive it to your soul is something that's out of your control on some level and the right Marcus seems to think... Not according to Marcus. Yeah, I guess Marcus thinks <laughs> yeah. you can control that. That's interesting. I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah. Number four, the human soul degrades itself when it puts on a mask and does or says something artificial or false. Sure. Number five, when it allows its action and impulse to be without a purpose, to be random and disconnected, even the smallest things ought to be directed toward a goal. But the goal of rational beings is to follow the rule and law of the most ancient of communities and states. Wow, this one is... <laughs> this one's follow the rules, kids. Okay. The most ancients of communities and states. Does that just mean the Roman Empire? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's referring to himself here. Yeah, okay. When it uh, allows its action and impulse to be without purpose. Yeah, okay. So you should do things purposefully towards yeah. a goal. Be rational, basically. Is be what rational and follow the law. Yeah. The... Even the smallest things ought to be directed toward a goal. I generally agree with, but it is a clause of a sentence that puts distance between me and Marcus because he sounds like such a scold. He yeah. sounds like such a dick. Yeah. Being like, yeah, imagine you being stupid, this guy's you kid. stupid animals. Uh, what what was the goal behind this action? Yeah, and yeah. yeah he sounds annoying. But he yes, does. the human soul degrades itself when it acts irrationally or something like that, I think is what I take away from that, which, yeah, fine. I agree. This is <laughs> the structure of this list. It's if this one feels 
the first chapter was at least organized by this yeah. unifying principle of the different people to whom I'm, in, I'm grateful in some kind of chronological order or something. Yeah. This one is just, here's morality. <laughs> like, here's how your soul functions. Here's three bullet points about how life is temporary. Here's one bullet point about people I don't like. Yeah. Here's... Did he write this in one sitting? Or did he come back day after day? I, yeah. I think it has to be the latter, right? Yeah. That's how I read it. That's why it's so similar. Each bullet feels pretty similar to the other. So he's yeah. just rewriting the thing that he already believes in a different yeah. format. It's not... He's got a couple of yeah, things yeah. he likes, I feel like. There's four or yeah. five he likes, kinds of bullet points. We've yeah. got life He likes the presence. We've got... Live with nature yeah. and... Don't be jealous. Yeah. Keep your soul in accordance with the things that the gods have created and yeah. aligned with nature. Yeah. We've got don't look at other people's souls. Yeah. And yeah. those things get recycled into... Yeah. Well, let's see. Number 17. Number 17. This is the last bullet point of the book. Human life. Nice. Yeah, very... <laughs> right. I feel like yeah. we always... These books <laughs> always crescendo. Towards the end, they get more... Yeah, it <laughs> goes off, which yeah. is what causes him to finally be like, okay. All right, I, nice I, book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no way. I can't... I cannot I go any this. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is a list of traits, I think, of human life, is what this one is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, the, the biggest picture thinker imaginable. Human life, duration, momentary. Nature, changeable. Perception, daily. Condition of body, decaying. Oh my God. Soul, spinning around. What? Fortune, unpredictable. Lasting fame, uncertain. <laughs> Sum up. The body and its parts are a river. The soul, a dream and mist. Life is warfare and a journey far from home. Lasting reputation is oblivion. Then what can guide us? Only philosophy. Which means making sure that the power within stays safe and free from assault. Superior to pleasure and pain. Doing nothing randomly or dishonestly and with imposture. Not dependent on anyone else's doing something or not doing it and making sure that it accepts what happens and what is dealt as coming from the same place it came from. And above all, that it accepts death in a cheerful spirit as nothing but the dissolution of the elements from which each living thing is composed. If it doesn't hurt the individual elements to change continually into one another, why are people afraid of all them changing and separating? It's a, it's a natural thing, and nothing natural is evil. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary of Marcus's whole shtick, yeah, I feel yeah. like. I, I like the list of human life and its <laughs> traits. I agree with pretty much all of them, I think, actually. I think perception dim is very it's funny. Very funny very yeah. true. I think like, that is that very much lines up with my perception of human mm -hmm. beings as well, including myself. And I really like souls spinning around. Uh, <laughs> They're weird, yeah. So the first couple felt very like cliche and yes, okay, duration momentary and nature yeah. schedule. And then soul spinning around is much, it feels very different and certainly not the modern way we describe people's souls, but it feels right. like the truth. Right. Uh, yeah. I think I think the, the thing we're describing here where every, every listicle item seem, feels like a repetitive is happening because we're not applying it. My guess is the way you we should read the meditations is we have a thing in mind that happened. Okay. And we read it through that lens. 
but it's so abstract. <laughs> it is really, abstract, but that's the only way to, I think, squeeze the juice out of yeah. these listicle items. I, and I'm going to read this as I had trouble sleeping last night. So it's anyway, my life is momentary. My nature is changeable. My perception is dim. Yeah. My body's decaying anyway. My yeah. soul is spinning around. So what can guide me? Philosophy. Yeah. Well, what I've got is, is a rational sense of how this doesn't actually matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is very much like a we're all stardust, we're specks on a big spinning rock kind of paragraph, I feel like. Yeah. It's just a big dose of perspective. And then, yes, given that all that's true, what we can't control is the same thing that Marcus loves talking about, which, which he calls philosophy, which I think is pretty interchangeable with his sort of process for living life, basically. The, my philosophy is yeah. living in accordance with a certain... I actually prefer the word process. Yeah, philosophy in this case. I think that's what that that's how I'm reading it. Yeah, is that that he means philosophy feels mushy, whereas process feels clear. Yeah, and philosophy seems abstract to me. Yeah. That seems like the thing that worries me. Mm -hmm. One one other thing I notice about this list is that he is talking about fame and lasting reputation, which he hasn't done as much. Yeah, which feels like him telling on himself a little bit in the mm -hmm. sense that. I think we're, it's revealing that he is actually thinking about what, how will people remember this. me? Yeah, yes. yeah. Will I be? And he's kept that out of the text so far, but here it sneaks yeah. in. And I think that to me does enlighten how we read some of these other points a little bit. Yeah. That, that he is concerned about his own legacy and his yeah. own death and how he will be remembered, yeah. which, which yeah. humanizes him, I think. I, that makes him more relatable to me. If he was someone. I, I don't think about my own immortality and my fame. I think in many ways this... That, that feels unrelatable to you. I read this. This whole book could be titled Vain Emperor Tries to Talk Himself Out of His Own Obsession with His, his, himself. With yeah. his Life and His Fame and His Legacy with repetitive and sort of banal statements about how it doesn't actually really matter. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> Sorry, a, that's I, a pretty negative <laughs> reaction. I, To me, I guess the fact that he... I'm guessing about how I would feel if I was if I had Marcus's life. But to me, yeah. it seems like a, if you are the emperor of Rome, yeah, of course you're going to worry about this reputation, lasting fame kind of stuff. I agree that it's not something that I worry about in my own life. But I think if I was Marcus, I would think about that. Just because you're the emperor? Because you're the emperor. And it's the sort of once it's the celebrities do this and whatever else people get, once they reach a certain stage of power and stuff in their life, they start to worry about their legacy or whatever. I think that's normal. I think that's a human thing. And I was worried up to this point in the text that Marcus was so philosophical and cold that he was like, no, I don't care about my legacy i never worry about my legacy or my reputation because we're all just stardust and who cares everything will be lost in time and he's admitting a human weakness here a little bit that he does think about that stuff and he needs to write this to remind himself wait no don't worry about those things because they're sure yeah you're right that is there is that more charitable framing yeah. where it's because he's the emperor yeah it's impossible not to think about these things everyone around him is constantly sucking up to him and t telling him how great he is and how yeah. they're going to construct all these monuments yeah. to him and how he's the best emperor that's ever lived yeah, and remembered forever yeah and so he has to go home and remind remind himself that all these things are not true yep that's a very charitable interpretation, yeah. And because mere mortals like you and I don't have to are are not constantly being buttered up, and so it's a lot easier for us to live in a more 
in accordance with nature. Yeah, yeah. This is one way in which Marcus has it harder than we do is that he's got this whole thing to worry about with his legacy and reputation and stuff. And yes, people, even if he didn't think about it, other people would be jamming it in his face all day long. And so how does he let go of that? He says, it's all tied up with all this temporary and permanent stuff. And the thing I can't control is my process. All right. I like Marcus again. Yeah, I agree. This one is, I think it'll be interesting to monitor this trend of ending his his books with fireworks like he seems to be doing. Yeah. Because I think that was a big fireworks entry that warmed me up again to him. I think I seesawed on him a little bit over the course of this book where mm. he seemed a little repetitive and a little harsh. and But also he softened me up with some moments of, I think he is actually a pretty... I mostly agree with its understanding of human nature, I think. I agree. Until next time. Yeah. All right. See ya.